of you who just arrived uh, while it was dark, um, but you missed out on some great stuff. You can, you can check back if you'd like. You can see this morning's service again. Uh, for those watching on YouTube this morning, we're glad that you're joining us. For those of you who are here in the building, glad you're joining us. If you're listening on the podcast, we know that you're there as well. And we just trust that Holy Spirit will speak to you regardless of where you find yourself Wherever you are, there's where he is. And so this morning, um, I want to uh, just, uh, we're going to do part four of a series that we're in. We're going to take a little break for Christmas. We'll come back in the new year. But we're in a series called uh, Armor Up. And we've been talking over the last couple of weeks that we're in a battle and require the, the armor of, of God. And last couple of weeks ago, we talked about you need, this, you need to have truth, such an understanding of truth in your mind, so that when thoughts come through your mind, not every thought that comes to your mind is one you should focus on or think about. We said you have to have something in there that, that separates what's true, what am I going to believe, what am I going to hold on to, what I'm not going to hold on to. And then last week, we talked about how we need truth in a culture like ours, because there's a culture that's trying to attack and, and uh, take the worldview a Christ-centered worldview away from you if possible, and you need your eyes on truth. I just want to say thank you to all of you last week. You sent me your kind texts and encouragements. That was was really great. Thank you for that. Uh, We're going to jump right into our text, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. A final word, which we learned a couple weeks ago, just simply means from now on. From now on, I want you to live like this. I want you to be strong in the Lord. You be strong but you got to be strong in him, not your own strength, but there's a part you play, there's a part he plays. Be strong in him and in his mighty power. Put on all God's kind of armor, not physical stuff, but God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm. That is the goal, that regardless of what attacks you, you'll stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting, and it's that word, we're not in a wrestling match against flesh and blood enemies, but we are in a wrestling match against the evil rulers, and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world. We're against evil spirits in heavenly places. Behind everything you see is a world you don't, and it is more real than what you know. So he says in verse 13, Therefore, because all of that is true, put on or like sink into the clothes of every piece of God's armor, not just truth, but more of it as well, so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will be standing firm. And from now on, From now on, he says, live like this. Keeping the armor on until every battle's finished. It's not like put the armor on today and then take it off tonight. And, you know, oh, maybe I'll put it on again tomorrow. He's like, no, this is stuff that's got to be on in your mind all the time. It's uh, that you're realizing, "I'm I'm not getting rid of the armor until every battle is finished. It's like Movember. I saw some of you, you know, you're supposed to keep the stash until the end of November. Some of you, I know it was terrible and you shaved it off. You're weak. You're weak. It's like the playoff beard where you're like, you got to keep the beard until you win the Stanley Cup. You don't shave until the playoffs are over. And I found this Leafs player who's been uh, waiting for many years. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 6 says this, keep that armor on and stand your ground. Put on that belt of truth, which we said wasn't a belt, but it's having truth in the mind. And put on the body armor of God's righteousness. Again, it's not this, this thing of physical body armor or that, it's, that, it, that it protects this part of you or anything to that degree. But that you have an understanding of righteousness on all the time. That you're armored up with righteousness. And Paul was giving them a mental picture. He's like, hey, you know what body armor looks like. It's this idea of you're putting it on and you know there's a battle coming. You want that. And he says, and you know there's a spiritual battle in front of you. You want righteousness to be always in the thought that you're thinking about it every single day, that you're aware of it every day. The thing is, we don't actually hear the word righteous very often. 
When's the last time you heard righteous outside of, the, outside of church? See a movie where it was in there? Netflix? Probably not. You know, maybe you're old enough to remember the 70s slang where righteous was like cool and whatever else. Yeah, that's righteous, dude. Don't laugh too loud. You date yourself. But maybe you're old enough to remember these guys, the Righteous Brothers. And the style and fashion, I hope, never comes back. <laughs> and maybe, you know, we, maybe you haven't, that word's never come across your vernacular, but it's a main topic of Scripture. If you're scoring along at home, the word righteous is found 262 times throughout the Bible. The word righteousness is found 315 times. It's the main topic. It's something he wants you to be aware of. And Paul was saying to the Jesus followers in his day and today, armor up with righteousness. You better know what it is, and you better know why you need it. And maybe you're thinking, you know what? I don't know what it is, and why should I care? Well, let me define righteousness for you. I guess maybe I should ask the first, that question first. Have you put on righteousness today? Like, uh, I don't know. Are you righteous today? Did you think about that yet today? Some of you are like, yep. Others are like, mm, I'm not sure. What does it mean before I answer? Well, here's the meaning. Are you approved by God? Are you acceptable to God today? Are you innocent? Are you faultless? Guiltless? Blameless? Some are like, who's that guy in the front? He's God. He should be preaching. Am I blameless? Am I blameless? Well, I searched scripture to find my favorite verse. It's Psalm 37, 37. It just simply says, Mark, the blameless man. So I'm pretty sure I am, but I don't know about the rest of you. <laughs> uh, I know I am, but what about you? Are we blameless? Are we guiltless? Are we faultless? Are we innocent? And that's a tricky question when it comes to, am I righteous? Have I put on that this morning? Have I put on that today? Another definition simply says, in just in right relationship. Being righteous is in right relationship with God, with one another. If two people were, two people were fighting, have an argument, they disagree, and it's hostile, and it's heated, and then at the end, it's like, okay, man, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they, and they forgive one another. Oftentimes, as they leave that conversation, they're like, okay, are we good? Because the next time I see you, is this going to come up or, 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 or are we good? And oftentimes it'll be, yeah, yeah, we're good, man. We're good. We got it out. We're good. And so the same question is, are you good when it comes to God? Are you good with God? Are you innocent? Are you faultless? Are you righteous this morning? Maybe your mind instantly goes to your behavior. You start thinking, oh, no, man, I, like, I, I, I yelled at my kids this week. Or, like, I said terrible things to my spouse this week. Or, you know, I, on my job site, you know, I, I know I borrowed more than I should have. I plan to return it. I feel the conviction this morning, but my behavior would say I'm probably not blameless, faultless, in a sense. Like, ah, and I ask that question, are you righteous today? We got one guy who's like, yes. And we got a whole bunch of like, well, sort of. Uh, maybe, almost, almost. See, the truth is, we got to have the truth about righteousness here. And here's what's true. I'm a blameless man, but not because of the verse you just read, but because of this one. And listen real carefully, because this is truth that I think every Jesus follower needs to know. Romans chapter 3 says this, verse 21. But now God has shown, pay attention, God has shown, who's us? Us, me, I'm in it. I'm in the us. You're in the us. God has shown us a way to be made righteous. Right with him, be made righteous. God's shown us a way. 
you and me, how to be made righteous without keeping the requirements of the law, without the behavior that we think we need to have in line. He says, this was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Here's what Paul says. We are made righteous. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. How are we made right with him? By simply trusting in Jesus Christ. And this is true for? This is true for? Everyone, this is true for you. This is true for me. Man, I'm more excited about that than you are. This is true for me. This is true for you. Why? Because you're a part of the everyone. We're made righteous by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. We're made innocent, faultless, guiltless, blameless, good with God. Oh man, you guys are cheering not as loud as you should, but we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Holy Spirit, may they see May they see your word is true. It's true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For everyone is sinned. And we're all like, yes, we'll agree to that. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yeah, we'll say amen to that. Yet God, not us, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that you are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed you from the penalty of your sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for your sin, not you. People are made righteous, made right with God simply when they believe, when they trust that Jesus sacrificed his life and he shed his blood. And I trust that it was done for me. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and didn't punish those who sinned in times past. For as he was looking ahead and including us in what he would do in this present time, and he would include them, sorry, in this present time, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Why? Because he's good. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners, which we all want to think we are. He's the one who declared that sinners would be right in his sight, that they would be good with him when they believe in Jesus. So can I boast? That I've done anything to be accepted by God? Heck no. If I could use a stronger word, I would, but it's on YouTube. No. Heck no, because, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, not based on keeping rules. It's based on faith. It's based on trusting him. So we, who? We. Yeah, you're getting it. We are made right. We're made righteous through faith and not by obeying the law. Why does Paul have to? not just say it in one sentence and repeat it over and over and over. It was so Kingsway could get it. (laughs) It's not just us. Everybody has trouble with that. Why do we say that? Because we think about our bad behavior. We think about our missteps, our failures, our shortcomings, our sin. What about that? I love what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He said, you know what? With regards to your sin, God made Jesus who knew no sin to be your sin for you. That he took that sin upon him so that we, we might become righteous, the righteousness of God in him. Man, that's truth. That's truth that so many people do not have in their minds. And why is Paul saying, hey, that's, the truth is you're righteous, but you got to put it on. Why does he say that? Because he knows, as I've discovered, the enemy attacks this idea of righteousness in two main ways. And I want to look at that this morning and hope that we don't find ourselves in one of these two ditches. That we would be standing firm in between, standing firm on the, on, on the solid foundation of righteousness. That breastplate was like the foundation of their armor, but righteousness is a foundation of our faith. It's, it's in him. And so here's a couple thoughts for you this morning. One of the ditches that the enemy will attack you 
And if you're like, take notes or remember this, you might, if you know how your enemy's going to attack you, you're much better prepared to deal with it when those thoughts begin coming to your mind. Here's, here's what he does. He's going to tempt you to think that you're not righteous. He's going to spend all of his time tempting you to, to focus on your mistakes. He's going to get you focused, even as a Jesus follower, focused on your failures, on your shortcomings, on your sins. And he's going to try and make it sound like it's God the one doing it. You know, keep focusing on how dirty you are, how rotten you are. You're a sinner. You can't get it straight. You can never get it right. You're not righteous. Who do you think you are? When he asks, if you're righteous, you can't shout yes. How dare you shout yes? See, the, the enemy came to church this morning too. Thank God, oh, now nah, he can't get through the doors. Oh yeah, he does. And he's trying to get into your mind this morning as much as we are. Here's a thought. Global news this week, you may have saw, seen it, that two out of five Canadians believe that they'll never be debt free. Two out of five Canadians feel that they will never be debt-free. That's 40 out of 100. I don't know which 40 you are, but that thought that they'll, be never de- they'll never be debt-free. But you know what? I think the percentage is way higher for Christians who never think they'll be debt-free. They live their lives not realizing that what happened on the cross is finished, that their debt has been paid in full, that death was arrested in that day and age, and it's done. It's finished, he says, past tense. You have been forgiven. Your debt is paid few more figuring it out past tense well I don't know what if I do something this afternoon paid for your debt's been paid for you know we have so many Christians who walk around with that thought I'm still lousy and I don't get it oh man I'm a, I'm a lousy sinner and our righteousness we think it's based on our behavior it is never based on our behavior we have so many Jesus followers or, or, or people who call themselves Christians whose life looks more like this we draw a line and we say okay here's my line that I call righteousness Here's where it is. My week's been kind of down here, but I'm going to church. We get to church. It's like, oh, I hear the words of encouragement. I hear truth. And yeah, you know what I believe? I believe I'm good with God. I believe I'm righteous. And Sunday's great. Monday, not quite as much. Tuesday, you've totally forgotten about it. Kick the dog on your way to work. (laughs) And all of a sudden, here you are. And there's all kinds of other things they do too, you know. Drank too much with the boys after work, you know, lied to my wife about it, looked at something on the internet I shouldn't have, whatever it is, all of a sudden you end up feeling like, man, I'm down here. It's like, oh, I got to get back. I got to get back up to here. And so, God, I'm so sorry, repent, pray, and we feel like we work our way back to this line. And then, thank God, Sunday comes again. And here we are. We're good. I'm righteous. Uh, Maybe I can say yes, but Monday's coming. And here we see ourselves in this spot. And we think this is how God sees us in this line of continually going up and down. I love how the uh, skit guys, they talk about it and they, say, they show the, the story of a man talking to the Lord. And the man says, God, I feel, like, I feel like I've let you down. I feel like I let you down all the time. Maybe you have those feelings. God, I feel like I let you down. I love God's response to the man. He says, what do you mean you let me down? You're not the one holding me up. I'm the one holding you up with my righteous hand. Son, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think that that chart looks like. Let me tell you what the chart looks like. Here's my righteous hand, and I've saved you. I put you here. You never got here on your own. I put you here with the cross of Christ. I put you there. Now you live here, and you live with me. You know, you, you have a great day. I don't love you anymore. I can't love you anymore. I love you so much. You have a bad day. I don't love you any less. I can't love you any less because I've already set, shown my love here. You're never falling below this line. 
Yeah, you mess up, but I got you. Because your righteousness isn't based on your behavior. It's based on what I did for you 2,000 years ago. Do you realize that? So many Christians are like, I can't witness until I get my act together. I, I, can't, I can't celebrate and worship with God because I know what I did last summer. Not realizing that this is what's true about you. But he's like, man, armor up. Because this is what the enemy's trying to tell you you are. But you're not. This is who you really are. This is who you really are as a Jesus follower. And man, he just simply says, the way our relationship works, I hold you up, not the other way around. If you don't understand that truth about righteousness, it affects the way you live. Many Christians are still trying to earn it somehow. Like, I'm going to church. <laughs> Hope this is buying me some brownie points. You know, it's like, okay, I sang the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. I know God loves me. I just don't think he likes me very much. If he saw me bare, he would know. He wouldn't love what I see. He loves you. See, that's where that question comes. Are you righteous this morning, Jesus follower? Are you righteous? If you're a Jesus follower, it should be a resounding yes. Never a, "Mm, maybe, because you're looking at you. Almost. There's no almost righteous. Can I just say you're either righteous or you're not? There's no almost. There's no like I'm getting better. It'd be like a university sending you a letter, your acceptance letter. It's like, we're delighted, sir, to let you know that you've almost been accepted to our university. Are you accepted? (laughs) No, you cannot be almost accepted. That marriage proposal where it's perfect is in Paris, gets down on one knee. Love, will you marry me? Well, half of me feels like it today, but are you engaged? (laughs) No, it's either I'm all in or I'm not at all. I'm either righteous because of what he did or I'm not at all. And Paul's saying, man, armor up. You put on righteousness, realize that you are standing firm in his righteousness, not yours. And that's a lie that attacks so many Jesus followers. But if it isn't that ditch, I can tell you the other one isn't, isn't uh, too far to the, to the other side. If he can't convince you that you're not righteous, that you're not good with God, and you're always trying to earn it, he'll try and encourage you or tempt you with the other side, and he'll try and get you to focus on being self-righteous instead. Where instead of focusing on all your bad deeds and how terrible you are, he'll get you focused on all your good deeds and how good you think you are. And every religion, every religion has some form of attempting to get right with God through their behavior. Whether that's knocking on doors, you may know who they are. Whether that's sacrifices being made. Whether it's like, I, if I can get enough people to, to buy in, that's going to be a better place for me in heaven. If I can say enough prayers, if I can say enough penance, if I go to enough church services, if I give enough in the offering. It's all these things. And unfortunately, modern Christianity has been affected by that. But that is not Christianity. He's never saying that idea of focusing on self-righteousness is like a scale that we say, oh, I've got on one side, I know my negative stuff, I know my bad stuff, but if I can do some more good stuff, maybe it's going to buy me brownie points with God. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. (laughs) Sundays is just that thing. Got to put some things, got to put some prayers, got to put something on the good side of the scale because I know who I'm like. This week in the news, there's a guy named Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock, the coach of the uh, Maple Leafs. You know, five days ago, when he was asked about his, the way he was doing, how's, how's, your, how's, your, uh, how's your life as far as the coaching going, Mike? And he's like, you know, it's a little sketchy, but you know what? I'll bet on me. I'll bet on Mike Babcock. I'll bet on me. I always have and I always will. 
This is Mike Babcock three days ago. Fired. You know, that bet on me mentality didn't work so well. But that bet on me mentality, we find it in all of us. And it's not new. Jesus found this mindset as he talked to some people. And Luke wrote it down for us. Luke 18, verse 9. You can follow along. Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. Great confidence in their own. (laughs) I got this, Jesus. I got this, God. I don't need you. I'm pretty good at keeping the rules. I'm I'm a good boy. You know, if I compare myself, I'm good. And they were like, I'll bet on me. I, I, I can be good with God based on my behavior. These people scorned everyone else. They looked down on other people. And Jesus said this to them. And he may say it to us this morning. Two men went to a temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. And the other was a despised tax collector. In that crowd, there'd be the Pharisees. The very people he's talking about. The ones listening in and thinking, huh, we're good with God because we keep the rules. We're not like the tax collectors. And the tax collectors would be sitting there listening, wondering, oh man, what's he going to say about us? Jesus said this, the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. (laughs) See, self-righteous compares ourselves not to this line. We compare to wherever this line is that we've made. And if we fall down here, we'll just make a new line. And we compare to other people. And around this room this morning, Maybe uh, if you don't feel too good about yourself, just think about someone you know who's worse than you. If you can't get excited about the truth of what God's done for you, maybe you just feel a little bit better about you because you thought about someone who's way worse than you. Yeah, I might fight with my wife, but they beat their wives, so I'm okay. Whatever it may be, man, that thing tries to go around our main minds to talk us into that point. And that's what the Pharisees' prayer was. I'm not like other people, God. I'm not a cheater, I'm not a sinner, I'm not an adulterer, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. God, you see him, but you see me? God, guess what? I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. God, wow, look at what I've done. But instead, the tax collector, he says, stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow and he said, God, God, would you be merciful to me? Because I know I'm a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. Justified is another word we don't use. What does justified mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. Who went home justified? The one who thought they were a sinner. The one who thought, man, I can't do any of this, but God, I'm just going to trust you. And he's like, whoop. Just as if you'd never sinned. I washed it all clean. I love that thought because I was that tax collector. He says, for those who exalt themselves, they're going to be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. The Pharisee's like, I'll bet on me. I'm not as bad as the other guy. And God's like, oh, buddy, I don't look at the outside. I'm looking at the heart. And when I look at the heart, you know what I see? This is not to the Jesus followers this morning. This is to just people in general. When he looks at our hearts, Romans 3 verse 10 says this, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous. But I thought you said we're right. Jesus followers, you're righteous in him. But without him, none of us are righteous. We're all in the same boat. I can't point fingers at anyone because I was in the same boat. I'm not righteous without him. Isaiah 6 says this, we're all infected and impure with sin. I would do show of hands, but I don't need to. Feel infected by sin. It's like, man, it's stuff I don't even want to do, but I do because it seems like it's in there. I'm just broken in there. 
He went on to say this, we're all infected with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, when we think, you know, we're going to weigh the scale, we're going to change the scale, and we say, these are my right, these are the good things I've done. Look at the good things I've done. He says, those things are nothing but filthy rags. We've set the standard of what we think is good, and so these are my good deeds based on my, my thoughts of what are good deeds. And he says, you want me to tell you what those things are? He says, they're filthy rags. And for those of you who start thinking about, I think maybe filthy rags is that, dish towel that sat in the sink too long like oh that kind of smells you know or you think oh it's those oily rags in my garage probably should toss them and get some new ones do you know what he means here menstrual rags your good deeds I should have put a disclaimer somebody might get offended today (laughs) but he said that's who we are if we think we've got it together, he says, there is, it's so hopeless, even your best attempts are just stinking, filthy rags. And that's not a happy thought. But there is the happy thought that we started with this morning, that there's a truth where you can stand that's between those two ditches. It's the road of righteousness. It's the rock of righteousness where you're not focused on your bad deeds and you're not focused on your good deeds because you're not focused on you. He just simply says, would you get your eyes on Jesus? Stop living this life as if it's all about what you do or what you've done or what you're trying to do or trying to get done. Just get your eyes on me. Just get your eyes on me. A number of years ago, I got invited to go to Rattlesnake Golf Club. Um, what, I mean, it was called a club, but Rattlesnake, this is, the, this is Rattlesnake. Uh, and uh, this place, you can't get in without a membership. And uh, it's like I got a kilometer driveway. I think back then they had said it was about $50,000 for the membership to play at this golf course and with all the other fees and funds you had to pay. And I was like talking to my, this buddy of mine. I was like, I don't know. I can't afford that kind of membership. And you know what he said to me? He says, yeah, you're right. You can't get in here. But as long as you stay with me, I can get you in. I thought, man, it's so true. You know, when I think of eternity, I think of heaven. Jesus simply says to you, yeah, you can't get in there. You can't afford the price. You can't pay the price to get in there. But if you stay with me, I can get you in. I can get you in. If you'll trust me, if you'll stay with me, it's not if you'll say, oh, I'll monitor my behavior. I'll try and figure out. He's like, if you'll just realize you're righteous because I am, and if you're with me, you're righteous because I've given you that. It's a gift. It costs me an incredible price, but I'm giving it to you Trusting that Christ has done his righteousness and then just simply living in response to that. Because I know where Jesus followers always have the trouble. It's like, okay, well, if this is me, then how much of this can I do before I fall below? You know, or are you saying I can sin as much as I want? I mean, that's not the response to what God has done for you. He says the response to what God has done for you is now to put on righteous deeds. You are righteous, so trust that. Now live righteous and live that. He says simply over and over and over throughout scripture. He writes the Romans, the Galatians, the Ephesians, the Colossians, put on right living. He doesn't use the armor. He says put on right living to Timothy and Titus. He says, Tim and Titus, teach people how to live righteously because they're righteous. You're on righteous road. So now walk righteously. You couldn't before because you were stuck in this ditch or you were stuck in that ditch. And you're like, you know, now he says you're on righteous road. So walk righteously, live Live rightly because you can and do it as a response to him. Galatians 2.20, Paul said this, I, my old self, and I love this because this is what you saw this morning in baptism. My old self, old Tory, was buried, crucified with Christ, dead. The old person, the old way of living, no longer the way I live. This was a picture of it. She mentioned how it happened years ago, that, that that's what happened. 
It's no longer I who live. It's not the old me trusting my works, trusting my behavior. That's not, that's not how it works anymore because I got Christ living in me. So I live. You still see me, still the same Tory, still the same Mark, still the same body, but I don't live the same way anymore. I live entirely by trusting the Son of God. I trust his righteousness. That is what makes me righteous. And I trust in him who loved me and gave himself for me. Can I leave with this thought? Your good deeds do not make you righteous ever. There were a, simply a response to his, to his gift of righteousness to you. And Paul's saying, armor up. Man, get in your brain. You're righteous regardless. You, you have a misstep and the enemy comes after you. No, I'm a Jesus follower. That is on the cross. Thank you, Father, that I don't have to live that way anymore. God, give me the strength to walk this life with you. Thank you that we're good. And then go make it right with whoever you offended. Because he says, go, my command is go live righteously, is go love others. Go love one another. Armor up. Armor up here and then armor up out here. Have you put on righteousness today? One last story. January 21st, 1797, Edward Moat was born. This is the best picture we have of him. (laughs) Edward Moat was born into poverty. He became a Jesus follower in his teens, though his parents never let him have a Bible in the house. Somehow he came to become a follower of Jesus. And as an adult, he was on his way to work. He was the carpenter. He was on his way to work and he was reflecting on this, he calls it, the gracious experience of being a Christian. He was just so, so overwhelmed by the gracious experience of being a Christian. And as he was thinking about that, he said, a tune came to my mind. And with that tune came some words. And he's like, I think I got a song. And he began, to, he began to sing the song over and over on his way to work. When he got to work, he scribbled some of it down on paper. And he says, as he was walking home, the rest of it came to him, the verses, just one after another. And he scribbled it all down on this piece of paper. That Sunday, as he was at church, the pastor was speaking and talked about how his wife was really ill. And he had asked Edward, Edward, would you come visit? He's a good friend of theirs. Would you come visit? And so Edward went that, that um, in between the two services to go and visit. And as he was sitting there with them, the pastor said, he's getting ready for his evening service, said, you know, normally, he says, normally, Edward, I, I pray with my wife. You know, I'll spend some time in scripture. And he says, and then we'll sing a hymn together. But I can't find my hymn book. And Edward just had this thought. He's like, well, like, I'm not a singer. I'm not a songwriter, but... He reached in his pocket and he pulled out his scribbled notes on his paper. He says, I, I wrote these this week. Maybe we could sing them. And so the two of them sang the songs. The next Sunday, the pastor came back and said, Edward, that song just so struck my wife. We found out now she's dying. But those words hit her so strongly. He says, can you, can you make a copy for her? She wants a copy for herself. And it says that he was so um, amazed by how much it meant to her, to a dying woman, that he thought maybe there's something more to this than just what I wrote. So he actually printed a thousand copies and said, I'll just give them out to whoever might need them. Do you know what the lyrics of the song were? Here's the lyrics. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly trust in Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. And when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed 
in his righteousness alone, faultless, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking stand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All the other ground, it's sinking sand. At age 55, Edward left carpentry and became a pastor. And he started a new career at age 55. Pastored for 21 years. And in 1873, when his health was failing, he said these words, I think I'm going to heaven soon. Yeah, I'm nearing the port. The truth that I've been preaching, I'm now living upon. And you know what? They'll do very well to die upon. Oh, the precious blood of Jesus. I think I'm going to heaven soon. Yeah, I'm nearing port. The truth that I've been preaching, I'm now living upon, and they'll do very well to die upon. Oh, the precious blood of Jesus. So we know about Edward. We know about me. What about you? What about you? What about me? What are you trusting this morning Maybe you're here and last week we talked about it, that our culture wants to deny the existence of God. If there's no God, I'm not accountable to him. And maybe that's what you're trusting. You're trusting that there is no God and you're hoping you're right. <laughs> I challenge you to think, what if he does exist? What if he does exist? And you think, well, I have all these thoughts about God, but have you ever wondered what does he think about you? Have you ever thought of where you stand with him? If he does exist, am I in right relationship with him? I hope that's been abundantly clear this morning that right relationship with him is based on trusting in Jesus. That's the only thing. You're not in right relationship with him because you go to church. You're not in right relationship with him because you said a prayer once. You're in right relationship with him because you stand in righteousness of what he's done for you every single day. Have you taken that step to that rock? Or are you trusting your own version of good works still that maybe if I do enough good things, God will let me in? He's saying, I gave one good thing for you to do, and that's simply to trust that I did it and you can't. Have you put your trust in him? You can this morning. It doesn't matter, old or young. Maybe you're a teenager here in this place, and you're like, I wish it was over. <laughs> Let me tell you, this, this moment right now could be the change for the rest of your life. See, we were like, God, prove yourself to me. Prove yourself to me. Show me that you're real, and I'll believe in you. And he's like, I did what no one else would ever do for you. I gave my son for you. That happened. I rose him from the dead to prove that he is who he said he is. And he took everything. It doesn't matter how bad you think you are. He carried it all. It is forgiven. It doesn't matter if you've done jail time for what you've done. I've forgiven that. If you'll just trust me, if you'll just trust me. Will you put your trust in him this morning? Will you armor up with righteousness this morning? Will you get it here into the Jesus followers? Final thought. Have you armored up this morning? Let me ask you one more time. Are you righteous today? (laughs) Thank you. Are you guiltless this morning? Are you innocent? Are you blameless? Why? Because of him. Because of him. Oh, man. Well, I did my best. I did my best. Don't allow the enemy to tell you you're not righteous because it doesn't, it's not based on that. Don't ever slip into the thing of like, oh, thank you, God, for saving me. I got it from here. Just armor up with righteousness. Armor up with, man, I trust you, Jesus, for the good and the bad. And Jesus, let me live my life for you in how I reach everyone else or affect everyone else living with righteous deeds. Father, that's our prayer this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. I just could spend an hour saying thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that truth. Man, that's good news. Such good news.
Lord, I just pray for every person here this morning wrestling with that. They feel like in their hearts it's true, but aren't sure, just aren't sure. Would you, God, would you do in them what I can't? Would you coax them this morning, draw them by your spirit to put their trust in you, to give their lives into your hand, to live their lives for you, to give, the, to give you the past and to give you the future. And Father, as we leave this place, may we be reminded that we're in a battle, that our minds are being attacked every second. Lord, may righteousness be just so strong in us, that foundation that we don't waver, we stand on that truth that our song would be on Christ the solid rock I stand. Everything else doesn't matter. Jesus, thank you for giving us that, for putting us on that rock. Stand in your righteousness alone today. And in your name I pray, amen.